So for those who are uh, joining us and visiting with us today, I'm going to share a phrase with you that probably the regular attenders of Exeter uh, have heard over and over again, and I hope they've even memorized it. And I believe this phrase sums up our Reformed theology rather nicely. I've already kind of used that phrase in the baptism. It is God initiates, we respond. Out of God's amazing grace, God initiates his saving love and his saving grace to his people. And as his chosen people in a relationship with God, we have the opportunity to respond. God initiates, we respond. With baptism this morning, as mentioned, we witnessed again how God initiates his amazing grace and his promises, his faithfulness. And then as parents and as congregation, we have an opportunity to respond. And as the infants grow up, they too will have an opportunity to respond, to respond to their baptism through their public profession of faith. Again, God initiates, we respond. So the passage that we'll be reading from this morning is from Deuteronomy 31, and we're going to read the first eight verses. Now, this passage is often used as a passage for succession of leadership in the church. But this morning, we're going to focus on this powerful story, reminding us again how it is all about God. It's how God initiates. And when God sends us out, he is already there ahead of us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Because God is faithful to his people. God is faithful to his church. And his people can be respond, responsive by, by being strong and courageous, as will come out in the passage. So the context of this passage in Deuteronomy is a, a, in the context of transition. Because for 40 years, the Israelites were wandering in the desert. And they're at the point of preparing to cross over the Jordan River into this promised land of Canaan. Now just think about that for a moment. This land has been on their minds for decades. It's been promised for a long time. They left Egypt 40 years earlier and as youth and young adults and, and older folks, and many of the parents and grandparents have passed on. Other folks were born in the wilderness and they only know wilderness wandering. They've anticipated their arrival into this, into this beautiful and productive land. This land, again, it was promised over and over again by God to the Israelites. Yet, there was work to be done in this land. There were enemies on the other side of the Jordan River. And not only are the people entering into totally new territory, and of course, enemy-filled territory, but God also takes away Moses. Moses had been their leader for 40 years I mean, as, as we're going to read in a moment, it says he was 120 years old, but I'm sure he's still got some good years in him, but just God didn't allow Moses to cross. And so God's succession plan is to set up Joshua as the appointed leader. So we read from Deuteronomy 31. And before we do, let's come to God in prayer. Father God, we again thank you for your word that you spoke centuries ago, and you still speak to us today. Bless the reading and the listening of this passage and bless our response as we go out from this place with the knowledge of who you are, what you have done, and how we can respond in obedience. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Deuteronomy 31, and we get, begin reading at verse 1. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I'm now 120 years old, and I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. And he will destroy these nations before you, and you'll take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, and the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you, he will never forsake you. And then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here we have it, folks. There is transition in the lives of the Israelites once again and in the life of this community. And so as a result, it would only be rather natural for the people to exhibit fear and anxiety. Phrases such as, do not be afraid, do not be terrified, would be common. Or be strong, the opposite, be strong, be courageous. They're not surprising to hear in the context of this passage in transition. Everyone, including the leaders, are in a state of transition. And I think it only makes sense that along with that comes fears and anxieties and apprehensions. With change and transition, we too often become anxious. We become somewhat apprehensive when implementing different things. We become nervous and and anxious when change is imposed upon us. It's not uncommon for those in the midst of transition to have fear and anxiety. In fact, I I, I think many of us are wondering what what post-COVID will look like. What will September look like for the church or or for the schools, for for our lives? Well, it was already before COVID where we've had drastic changes in our lives, right? And those changes may have occurred with the death of a loved one. Changes occur in our lives with a serious illness, whether it be mental or physical. Often, People are in transition with respect to employment or education, anxiously wondering, okay, what could possibly be next? We see transitions in our lives. And there seems to be transitions in the church too. We believe as Reformed Christians that transition is a good thing because we believe that we are always reforming. We're constantly changing to what God, through the working of the Holy Spirit, wants for us and in his church to become. In fact, we have a saying up there that we are training to become. We're becoming a clear reflection of God's glory. We see continued changes in ministry. We see it in leadership. Last week, we were blessed to have ordained new elders and a new deacon. And for these offices and for anybody, when transition occurs, it seems that we're often quite like we just feel like we're sailing in uncharted territories. And that's okay. For those visiting with us, last fall, I was blessed to have a six-month working sabbatical. 
And I had the opportunity to relearn some of my accounting skills and, and, and take a Sabbath from full-time ministry. And part of this time, part of this working sabbatical, was also time to discern. A time to discern where God is leading me in ministry or maybe even out of ministry. Spoiler alert, you know the ending of the story. I'm here. But the journey was one of wrestling. And it was one of prayer and tension and anxiousness. And at times, there seemed like there, there were multiple doors that were open. But sometimes, it felt as if the door was just shut. And there was nothing. And the default for me, the default for me was to figure things out on my own. Sure, I mean, of course I would include my wife, Michelle, once in a while. But, and I'm, you know, to be honest, I'm very much a team player, but my personality default is to work on it myself. I'll do it. I'll be okay. Now, a few people in this church and in the denomination would not allow for that, and I thank God for these people. But there tends to be where there tends to be transition in my life, I figure, I'm going to figure it out on my own. Craig and Liv and Darren and Janelle and Amanda and Mike, you folks, you all have your vocations. And maybe contemplating business adjustments or even moving or just day-to-day activities and challenges that it takes to raise two and three and four children in today's context... And you, you don't need to be on your own. And even if your default is like mine and you think that your wiring is similar, that you just want to figure things out on your own, people, we are actually wired, we're supposed to be wired to see God and to seek community. But sometimes we mess that up. I know I do. God's word through Moses instructed the people of Israel in verse 6. And his word says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, meaning that your enemies or the obstacles that are before you. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Sure. Like, it says be strong, be courageous. We read those words sometimes, easier said than done, right? But people of God, that is our response. And our response can be that because of the latter part of that same verse, verse 3, where Moses stated that the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. And this phrase is again repeated in verse 6, and then it's restated again to Joshua in verse 8. So perhaps maybe the author is trying to tell us something very important. As the Israelites were told, as I was told, as you continue to be told today, We can be strong and courageous. We don't have to fear. We don't have to be discourageous or discouraged. And that's our response. And why is that our response? Because because God has initiated things. He has already gone ahead of us. He's gone before us to prepare the way. And he will not leave us. He will not forsake us. His plans will prevail. So wherever God sends us, he is already there ahead of us. And you know, that's the amazing thing about God. He's already got it all prepared where we're called to go. 
Just as the Israelites had to confront enemies and obstacles once they crossed over the Jordan River, we too have enemies, we too have obstacles that we're, we're going to approach. Whether as individuals or, or even as a church body. And you know what? Often, those enemies and obstacles are fear itself. Isn't it? I mean, that's why it says so, many, so often, don't be afraid, don't be terrified. But know that God has gone before you. He's gone before us. And he continues to be with us wherever we go. And then maybe some of you are saying, yeah, yeah, I know. We know that. And I know you know that. Because we quote verses from the Psalms. Psalm 23, the Lord my shepherd. He leads me. He guides me. Or Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in our troubles. I think you get the point. We read these powerful words from Scripture. We have this assurance. We sing the songs. We sing these words in our songs. We know that God goes before us and is always with us. And we believe this. But so often we fail to live like we believe it. Friends, I can attest to the promise that God has already been wherever we will go. And I think, I'm pretty sure, many others here have stories as well. And you know what? Perhaps fears and anxieties and apprehensions, they may continue to persist at times. But don't let these fears or apprehensions prevent you from what God calls you to do. And being who God calls you to be. To be his son his daughter, his chosen and loved people. Whatever circumstances you may find yourself in, God is already there ahead of you. Now, he doesn't go ahead of you in order that he's going to do all the work. Rather, God being ahead of you means that God expects you to eventually arrive you're going to arrive there as well. He's there. And then he expects you to respond, to be obedient, and to listen, and to be obedient to his calling. Now, this passage is not encouraging us, rather, to be busy in our lives and busy in the church. This passage is simply telling us to be obedient and to live a life that reflects that our God is faithful. And know that God doesn't send us on our own strength. He sends us out with his strength. These past couple of months, we've been focusing on the work of the Holy Spirit. And we're reminded that same power that rose Jesus from the dead, that same power is the power that is at work in us. And that's pretty powerful. That's the strength we get. And as followers of Jesus, our role in the community, our role in the church is to share our stories our stories about God. We're even to share our, our failures. And we're called to remind God's people, us and others, that we indeed serve a faithful God. And you know what? Sometimes that is remembering, going back and remembering our past, not to be held back by the past, but as you remember things of the past, you'll remember that God is faithful and he carried you through that past. And he will continue to carry you through today 
and tomorrow, the present and the future. So as followers of Jesus, we're to be encouraged. And we're to encourage others to see where God has gone before us. As, as Moses says, we are called to be strong, we're called to be courageous, and encourage others to be strong and courageous. Now Moses also spoke these words, he was speaking to the Israelites, and he also spoke a few words personally to Joshua, with likely the Israelites present as well. And so this passage speaks to leaders as well. And I'm going to suggest that this passage speaks to families, and to leaders in the families, to mothers, to fathers. And how as mothers and fathers that you need to be reminded that you do not do things on your own, but you go, you go forward with the community of one another. Your spouse, if you have one, or the community of other family members, the community of the church. You go with others. God has put others in place. And we all, uh, we all made a powerful covenantal promise today to say that we're going to be there with these families and with one another. We're there for people. You're there for me. I'm there for you. So leaders, families, church families, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Know who your God is. Know what your God does. The Lord himself bef- goes before you. And he will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Now, even with all your foibles and inadequacies, anxieties, fears, God continues to give each of us, he gives us numerous works of grace in our lives and in the life of his church. Now, he could just leave us alone, but he doesn't. Because our God is faithful. And we're reminded of God's faithfulness in his word. And this morning again, we are reminded of God's faithfulness through as we celebrate the sacrament of of baptism. You know how I love the visual and, and just symbolic power of the sacrament of baptism. Where it says that God loves you. He loves the little children. He loves the families. He loves everybody. And he never leaves us. He makes his promises. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You're my people, chosen and dearly beloved. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And God had a purpose for Jesus. And Jesus obeyed the will of his father, doing ministry and then suffering, dying and rising from the dead. And he accomplished this, and he ascended to be with his Father in heaven. And just before his ascension, Jesus said these words in John 14, verse 1. And you'll probably hear some comparisons to Deuteronomy 31. 14, verse 1, John 14, verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Do you hear the words? Don't be afraid, don't fear, don't be terrified, don't be discouraged. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me and know that I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. You see, God goes before us. He he goes before us in our life on this earth. And he has sent his son to go before us for eternity. Our present and our future, it's all taken care of. And so as God's people, we're not left alone. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit equips us. The Holy Spirit is with us. God is with us. And we're given the strength and the power that we need through God. 
This power is not from ourselves. It's supernatural power. So congregation, leaders, moms and dads, family members, friends, I think we all know that we can't possibly know all the obstacles and the challenges that are lying before us. We don't know what sort of transitions and changes are before us. Heck, this past year and a half, we haven't known things from day to day, what's gone on. But we do know this. Our God is before us. And our God is for us. Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. Nothing. And because God initiates his care and his love and his grace, we can respond in love and courage and strength and faith. So let us live our lives in response to our faithful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And together with all God's people, we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, you are faithful and you keep your promises. And we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. We thank you for going ahead of us in our daily walk in our faith journey, for never forgetting about us and never forsaking us. And we thank, thank you that you even initiated salvation for us through your son, Jesus Christ, and how you've prepared a life of eternity for us. We praise you and we bless you. And may we respond in obedience and love to you and to one another. And where at times we will be afraid or will be anxious or will be hesitant with transitions in our lives, we ask that you forgive us for all our sins and continue to renew us and continue to transform us more and more into your likeness. It's only in the name of Jesus that we can pray this. Amen.